Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Uh, and so I want to talk to you today a little bit about what we're going to find in the book of Ruth. While you're looking for it, Ruth chapter 2, just simply repeat after me. Say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. Ruth chapter 2, uh, beginning at verse 1. I'll be reading from verse 1 through 11. If you got it, say, I got it. Amen. For those who don't have it, find it on the screen. And it simply reads as this. Now... Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabites, said to Naomi, Please, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. Let me go so that I can find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter, so that she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was a family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, may the Lord be with you. And they said to him, may the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young, whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, she is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to the glean in another field. In other words, I don't want you in no other man's field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one. But stay here with my maid. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them indeed. I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. And how you left your, family, your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to a people 
that you did not previously know. For a moment today, I just simply want to talk to you from the subject of the big picture of success. The big picture of success. You may be seated in this place on today. When we've talked about some great things as we related to the big picture, we've talked about forgiveness, we've talked about faith, and today we find ourselves talking about success. We find ourselves talking about success, and success is not a stranger to many of us because all of us at some form, at some time or another, has desired or still desire success. We want to be successful. We want to be successful in our marriages. We want to be successful with parenting. We want to be successful in school. We want to be successful on our jobs. We want to be successful as a church. All of us desire to at some time, at some point or another to be successful. The problem that I've encountered when dealing with success is not the desire for success, but the definition of success. Because for many people, as the time changes, their definition of success changed. I remember that there was a time when people were just living from paycheck to paycheck, and now the desire is that I just don't want to survive from paycheck to paycheck. I want to be a millionaire. I remember there was a time when people were living in apartments, and their only desire to be successful was just to, to get a house. And now that they got a house, they want to find a way to get them a mansion. In life... It seems as we grow, our desires and our, what we hunger and thirst for, what we seek after as it relates to success, changes. But that confuses me because my idea of success is not always to have to chase after something. It's to eventually find a place where I'm at peace, a place where I, I'm okay with what I'm going through, where I'm at in life. Because as long as I'm still chasing something, it's obvious that I'm never being successful. So today I want to talk to you about the bigger picture of success because I believe success goes beyond a Maserati. Success goes beyond a gold chain. Success goes beyond just getting married. Success is more so about the individual and not the influence of the world upon their life. When I begin to think about this word success and I begin to, to, to search through the Bible, who can show me? what success is and how success truly functions. Who, can, who life can I use so that the people can have an understanding of what success really is? So that when they leave here today, they won't be going to chase pipe dreams, but they will be going and seeking after the things that's kingdom-minded so that God can add to their lives whatever it is. That, who is it that I can find in the Bible that can share this success story with the people. So many people, so many people, but the greatest person that I stumbled across today was Ruth. Ruth has a story. We catch up just now in Ruth chapter 2 where we find Ruth gleaning in the field because she wants to just pick up the scraps. She wants to do whatever she can do to provide for her and her mother-in-law, Naomi. She's not 
seeking a whole bunch of attention. She's just looking for a little bit of favor. Can I, can I get somebody to help me out? Because here it is, it's two widow women that have no men to provide for them in a time where men's responsibility was still to provide. And, and so here it is that they were looked out and left out. And so they said, listen, just let me go. She said, just let me go work in somebody's fields. Naomi says, that's fine, my daughter. Go work in the field. Find somebody that will let you work in the field so we can have something just to snack on. Maybe we can make a loaf of bread. We can, we can do whatever it is that we need to do. Ruth gets up, dusts herself off. She goes to work in a field. While she's working in the field, somebody named Boaz happens to notice her. Boaz notices her. He asks, he inquires about her. He finds out that uh, she's related to him, but her husband is dead. And as a result of it, that makes him what is known as the kinsman redeemer. In other words, somebody that is related to you gets first action at marrying you to keep you in the family. They, they, it wasn't a sick, sadistic thing in that time. It was about land. It was about making sure that their family was protected and covered. And so as a result of it, Boaz, he inquires about Ruth. He's interested. Who is this, this woman? She don't look like anybody else I've seen before. She don't talk like I've never seen here, her here before. The servant tells us, listen, that, that, that there is Ruth. She came with Naomi. Naomi is sad, depressed. She's not happy with her life right now. Uh, but Ruth just wanted to catch some work. I mean, she's been here all day. She ain't left. She ain't asked for nothing. Uh, is it okay if we just let her work today? Can we allow her to work? And Boaz was like, no, it's, it's fine. She can work, but let's do better than that. Bring her in. Boaz makes arrangements where Ruth is taken care of. Ruth don't have to worry about a thing, Deacon Dan. She don't have to worry about going to work in the fields anymore. Anybody feels it. Boaz says, listen, just hang out with my maids in my house. Drink whatever you want to drink. And if you need something, let me know, because I've commanded everybody not to touch you. And Ruth says to Boaz, how is it that I found favor in your sight? How is it that... Little old me, this foreigner that doesn't even belong here. How, is I how have I found favor in your sight? Boaz says it's not just about who you are, but it's about what you've done. I've heard the stories of how you've taken care of Naomi after her husband and her sons died. I've heard the stories of how you left everybody that you could possibly ever know and you've came to a land where you knew nobody. I've heard the stories of your sacrifice, and as a result of it, you deserve everything that I have to offer you. If you don't know the story of Ruth and Boaz, the story leads on that Ruth ends up marrying Boaz. Ruth is the reason why every woman in the state of America is running around saying, I need my Boaz. Boaz has made it hard for us, Deke. Boaz has paved the way, set a standard for what a brother should do. And Ruth and Boaz essentially go on to be married. They have a great life together. This is the idea of success. But success didn't start out with Ruth seeking out Boaz. That's not what success started out with. 
Success seems to happen, but it wasn't what she was chasing. Ruth was only looking for favor. She was only looking for favor, but even when it came to the point of her looking for favor, what was life like before Ruth asked to glean in the field? I'm glad you asked. I want to tell you about it. Because if you take the time to read your Bible and you go back and you look at Ruth chapter 1, you'll find out that everything in Ruth's life wasn't pretty. Initially, what we find out in Ruth chapter 1 is that Ruth is the daughter-in-law of Naomi and Elimelech. And the issue is that he dies. The father dies. And when the father dies, her two sons, who are not Moabites, marry into marry the Moabite, two Moabite women. And they married two Moabite women. And I don't know how long they were married. I know they didn't ever have children. But what ends up happening is not only does the father die, but the two sons also die. So now there are three women left there trying to figure this thing out. Trying to figure out what to do. And, and Naomi says one day, Naomi says in Ruth chapter 1, listen, come on y'all, let's get up, take me back to Jerusalem. Take me back to where my people are. There's nothing more I can do here. They make the journey back towards Jerusalem. And then something happens. Something happens and, and Naomi is, is bothered by the fact that these two young women are still walking with her, and she's old in age. Naomi begins to say to them, y'all need to just go home. Y'all don't need to walk around with me anymore. I don't need you in my life. Why are you going to stick with me? I can't give you, I'm not going to have another baby. And, and if I did have another boy, are y'all going to wait around until he becomes of age so that one of you can marry? Y'all are still young. You're still beautiful. I want you to go back home so that you can get everything that you could possibly ever want. I want you to go back home so you can find a new man. I want you to go back home to your mama and daddy house so that you have a roof over your head. I want you to go back home to Moab so that you can get everything that you could possibly ever want. I want to pause there for a minute because Ruth and her sister-in-law have an opportunity to turn around right now. They have the opportunity to say that my success as it relates to my life it's truly being defined by the individuals that are around me. But the reality is, Naomi was not in the right state of mind. She was upset. She was frustrated. She was depressed. She had no ability, no right to try to speak anything over anybody's life. I don't want, I want to tell you something. Some of you are letting some dead people speak into your life. Some of you are allowing some people that are living in darkness that are living in struggles and, and you're trying to allow them to tell you what is and what isn't successful. I don't know about you, but nobody who is going through a struggle can tell me that I don't have to, I shouldn't have dreams, I shouldn't have desires. If you have found contentment in your problem and in your pain, there's nothing you can prophesy over my life. It gets so bad for Naomi that she tells him, change my name. Call me Mora because God has dealt bitterly with me. Don't call me Naomi anymore. I'm not this happy, cheerful individual anymore. My life is horrible. This dark person is trying to speak destiny. 
a destiny that will only lead to destruction over the lives of Naomi, I mean Ruth and her sister-in-law. Well, initially when they heard this, they knew that, that Naomi was not in her right mind. And so both of them say, Naomi, we ain't leaving you. We're going to stay here. We're going to ride or die with you. But something happens. They travel a little further. And as they travel a little further, Naomi says to them again, listen, girls, this ain't for you. What I'm going through, you don't have to go through. So what I need you to do is I need you to leave me. I need you to leave me. And the first thing that happens is Ruth's sister-in-law, the Bible says, weeps with Naomi. But after she's done weeping with Naomi, she leaves Naomi. I have not found her again in the Bible anywhere. I, I don't know who she went on to marry. I don't know if she got three baby daddies. I don't know what's going on. But I do know that she left Naomi thinking that life had something better to offer her. But the Bible says that Ruth clean. Naomi. There's two lessons that we can learn from this initial part of the text found in, in Ruth chapter 1, and I want you to write it down. The first thing that I believe that we found is success is not limited by your current status. I want to make sure that you understand that. Success is not limited by your current status. We all know that when Ruth, in chapter 4 of her own book, we know what happens. She marries Boaz. This could seem like success to us because she's married, she's happy, she has, she has everything that she could possibly need because Boaz had everything. She has a man that cares about her, that, that looks out for her interests, a man that wants her for who she is, not for what she has to give. She has everything in chapter 4, but in chapter 1, Ruth lost everything. Ruth had nothing. She was married, but now divorced. I mean, she was married, but now her husband was dead. In other words, somebody's married, but your husband may be not physically dead, but he's, not, he's no longer there. I was in a relationship, but I'm not in a relationship anymore. I had a job, but I don't have a job anymore. But Ruth does not allow her current status to cause her to stop living life. Too many of us, because of where we are in life, instead of just treating it like a stumbling block, a stepping stone, we treat it like quicksand. Because we are in a failed relationship, because we lost our job, instead of, instead of saying, you know what, this is something I'm in, but I can get out of it. This is something I can grow from. We just treat it like quicksand. Oh, woe is me. Somebody look at me. I need somebody to help me. This is what we do. We sit here and what we do is if you don't know anything about quicksand, Quicksand, essentially, over time, it makes you sink. 
It makes you sink. It pulls you down further than you've ever been before. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of my past mistakes holding me back. I'm tired of things that did not work out for my favor limiting me. I'm tired of sitting here trying to make excuses of why I can't live life anymore. A person that gets stuck in their current status will always limit their own success. You can sit here and pout and complain about everything that you're going through. But the reality is that it was a lesson to be learned from that situation. I want to make sure you, you understand something as we go through this text. I'm, I'm jumping back and forth, but I want to make sure you understand something. Boaz is not related to Ruth directly. Boaz is related to Naomi because Naomi was related, was married to Boaz's cousin. This is how it works. And, and so essentially, if Ruth would have disconnected with Naomi because of the simple fact that I ain't got to be with you no more. Your son ain't in my life no more. You, you don't have nothing to offer me no more. Just looking at the outside things, Ruth would have never met Boaz. Many of us don't realize this, and I need you to understand this. Oftentimes, your success is not about who you are, but about who you're connected to. This marriage that takes place between Ruth and Boaz would have never happened had Ruth not clinged to Naomi. It would have never taken place had Ruth not clinged to Naomi. If Ruth had got caught up in her current status, I'm single again. I guess I better go back to Moab where it's easier for me to find a man. If she had would have got caught up in all of that situation, going back to her past, she would have missed out on the very promise that God has for her. I don't know who that's for, but we can't go back. Why can't we go back? There's nothing to go back to. I know boo number's still in your phone, but sometimes you might just delete that thing. Might need to change your number. Why? Because as long as you're still clinging to the wrong people, they can keep dragging you back to the wrong places. Bible shows us that success is not only, it's not, it's not limited by your current status, but the other thing that I find in the text when we look at uh, Ruth chapter 1 verse 8 through 13 is I find that success is not built from your suffering. Success is not built from your suffering. Pastor, what do you mean? I, I'll read this. Y'all will read in church. Let me read this. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal with her kindly, deal with you kindly, and you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them. And they lifted up their voice and wept. That's the first time. And then they said to her, no, but we will surely return with you and your people. Three more verses. But Naomi said, return my daughters. Why should you go with me? I want you to hear 
what Naomi says. Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear a son, would you therefore wait until they are grown? Would you therefore remain from marrying? So that my, so my, no, my daughters, for it is harder for me than it is for you. Then, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. I want to make sure that you understand that success is not built on suffering, from suffering, because I want to make sure that you realize this. You don't have to be, the, your, you becoming successful is not predicated on you watching somebody else suffer. I need to make sure that you really receive that. Success is not built on suffering. Because all of us at some point in time think the only way that we're going to make it is for somebody else to fail. This is, this is what we, we do. This is our behavior. We plot to see like if, if you're going for a promotion and I'm going for a promotion, I'm going to set you up to make sure they know, oh, well, you're not here today. Or you came in late three times just so that I can succeed. Essentially, Naomi says, I'm a failure. Leave me be. And the only reason you're going, only way you're going to be successful if you leave me behind. This is a mentality that I want to help us as a church get rid of. Because in order for one person to be successful, it does not mean that everybody else has to be your flunky. It does not mean that everybody else has to be a failure. The reality is what happens when Naomi says leave and, and Ruth's sister-in-law leaves, but Ruth does not leave. Essentially what she has, she says, if you're going to suffer, you're not going to suffer alone. She says, we're a team. We're a family. We end this together. See, that's the concept that many of us have forgotten. We don't understand what it means to be a family. See, I grew up in a family on both sides of my family where they would cuss, they would fight, but you wouldn't mess with neither one of them because they were family. We can be dysfunctional on the inside, but any time it came to an intruder from the outside trying to affect us, we would stand united. Ruth says essentially to Naomi, I don't care what you're going through, I don't care what you're talking about, we're going to go through this thing together. We're going to fight this thing together. And I, I can really understand what Ruth was saying because the reality is if my wife, God forbid, but if my wife had to die today, it doesn't mean that I'm going to cut my mother-in-law off and I'm done with you. Because she has been my mother for 12 years. She has been in my life for 24 years. And so as a result of it, I'm still connected. I'm still connected to her because I'm bonded to her out of a God relationship, not a man's relationship. Naomi and Ruth are bonded together above, above ground, not below ground. And so she says, I don't care who's in the ground, I'm not leaving your side. Death is not going to separate us. Ruth says, listen, my success is not going to stand on a pillar of your suffering. Essentially, if Ruth went back to Moab, if Ruth got married, if Ruth's life got better, in the back of Ruth's head over and over, all Ruth would be able to say is what happened to Naomi. I left Naomi behind. 
Why is it so important? Because we realize that here it is that Naomi was saying to Ruth, leave me because I'm a failure. I have nothing to offer you. But again, fast forward in chapter 4. The only reason she ends up with Boaz is because of Naomi. I dare you stop looking over people who you think have no value in your life. I dare you stop looking at people as worthless, broke, disgusted, hopeless, all of these things at this point in time in your life because you never know what they can turn out to be. You never know what can become of them if you just take a minute and says, you know what, I care about you. I care about your well-being. And as a result of it, I'm just as much as invested in this relationship as you are. Ruth says something that, that's, that's paramount in this because now that we know what success is not, now that we know that success is not limited by your current status, so I don't care what you're going through or what you've been through because it has no rule nor reign on what will become. I, and Ruth teaches us that not only is that, but success is also, it doesn't stand on the shoulders of someone else's suffering. But then she begins to show us what success does require. The first thing that she shows us is that success requires Selflessness. Oh, that's a hard thing for us as individuals to have because as an individual, we always try to look out for ourselves. But I want you to see what Ruth does in the next four verses after Naomi has talked all that smack about leaving her. This is what Ruth says to Naomi. The Bible says, and they wept. They lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Look at verse 15. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law, she's speaking to Ruth, has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Before I even go any further in these next two verses, I want to make sure that you understand. Naomi ain't no fool. Naomi says she's gone back to her people and her guys. Naomi says that the reason she's left me is because she was never really committed to me in the first place. Because in marriage, it doesn't matter what you had. Ooh, this is good. I wish more married people were here today. In marriage, it does not matter on what you had before the marriage. It's about what you get after. It's great to have your life together. That's the requirement. Get yourself together as an individual. Yeah. But if, 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 if Ruth's sister-in-law married Naomi's son, then Naomi's people become what? Her people. Naomi's God becomes her God. But Naomi says, no, 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 no. She's gone back to her people, her folk, and her gods. In other words, she was not... 100% invested in this relationship. Why can we say that? Because as long as things were working out for her favor, she was there. But things wasn't going. When things wasn't going her way, she packed her bags and left. It's so many people uh, within the world today, whether it's in church and relationships, as long as you're making me smile, we okay. But the minute things aren't going out in my favor, I'm willing to check out. I'm willing to leave because I got to be successful, and if you can't get me to where I need to be, then I don't have to have any reason to fool with you. But Ruth goes on and shows us that success requires selflessness. Oh, Pastor, how does she show us? Look at verse 16. But Ruth says this, do not urge me to leave you and turn back from following you. For where you go, 
I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Verse 17, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. Catch this verse 18. When she, when Naomi, saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Success requires selflessness. I need you to understand that. Success requires selflessness. If many of us can be determined to be less selfish, maybe we can find our way being more successful. You'll catch that. If many of us can find ourselves being less selfish, then maybe we can find ourselves becoming more successful. This week, as I was preparing for this message, we talked a little bit about it on Wednesday night, but as I was preparing for it, my goal, my vision, all week long, was to not be selfish. This comes after just teaching about the Ten Commandments and understanding the covenant that we have with God and how the covenant with God and through the Ten Commandments shows us that God wants us to respect him, to reverence him, but also respect our fellow man. The first four commandments of the Ten Commandments is all about reverencing God. Don't give God no issues. Don't have no other God before me. Don't create no fake golden image. Don't All of these things. Four things that says, listen, it's all about me and you don't have anybody else. I want you to reverence me as your God. But then the latter six verses is all about how not to offend your brother and sister. Honor your, your mother and father. Don't covet your neighbor. All of these great things, no stealing, no killing, no murdering. All of these great things are found in the text. Six things about how to respect people. Four things about how to, to, to have reverence for God. And when we studied these things and we looked at these things, what we come to find out that in all of these things, the one thing that is required is that we're not selfish. Because if I'm selfish... I would do wrong to God. If I'm selfish, I would do wrong to people. Why? Because selfish behavior is a behavior that says, I'm only looking out for myself first. I'm only looking out for myself first. Have you guys ever, ever, not ever noticed that the hero in a movie, when a person is hanging for the cliff and the hero can let go and go ahead and live life, they're not selfish people. They hold on to the individual. Why? Because they understand that in order for me to be successful as who I am, I cannot be selfish. But church, I, 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 it hurts my heart to stand before you today and say this, but I believe that as a church, not just our church, but as the body of believers, we have become very selfish. We have become very selfish because we will allow people, we will allow the vision, the kingdom of God, we will allow our marriages, our friendships, we will allow all of these things to suffer. Instead of being like Ruth and saying, whatever it is that you're going through, I'm too going to go through it. When I think about the church in Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the church. They gave things to the church. They broke bread together as a church. They were so committed, they said, whatever you're going through, I'm going through too. We're going to eat together. My house, your house. 
Mikasa Sukasa. That's how they put it out there. They said, I'm not selfish. But we have come to a place in, in, in our faith and where we are now in, a, in the Western civilization, we are very selfish people. We are very selfish people. I, I, I pastored in Dallas, Texas, and, and pastoring in Dallas, Texas, I, I once upon a time had a member. I love her to death. I still love her. So if she's watching this, I love you. I had a member that came to me and said, if you preach more about prosperity, because that's what she wanted to hear, I would give more to the church. She doesn't, I don't even think she knows how much she hurt my heart with that statement. Because you've shown me a few things. You know, number one, that the church is struggling. And you have the ability to help the church keep from struggling. But because I won't do what it is that you want me to do, you're not going to do what is needed for us to survive. I need you to understand something. Nothing in this world will ever succeed. Nothing you touch will ever succeed as long as you're doing it for selfish motives. I had the opportunity to start a nonprofit before I became a pastor called Favor with Hope. And in starting this nonprofit, it was never meant to be a job. I didn't want to start it as a nonprofit. I was a youth pastor at a church in Dallas, Texas, and I didn't have enough youth. And I wanted some youth. Here it is. We had this be beautiful church in the heart of Oak Cliff, but not enough people coming to it. And so I started this program called Favored with Hope to reach out to the community to get more kids to come to church on Wednesday night and Sunday night so as a youth pastor, I could actually have youth. That's all I wanted. And so I started this program just to get kids. I was busting kids in the church for months. We went from 20 kids to over 100 kids, busting them in, began to be to the point where we needed more buses than we had people to get these kids to the church coming from different apartment company complexes because of what all I did is I went and I impacted their lives where they were so that they can come and participate where I was. And in doing so, after months of doing this, somebody called me and he said, listen, would you like to do this on a bigger scale? Would you be able to offer these programs at all of my properties? A company called Trumbull Crow, an individual called Trumbull Crow, and has all of these apartment complexes. And then what ends up happening is that I end up starting after-school programs, not only in Dallas, Texas, but I was serving over 60 properties throughout the state of Texas. People were asking us to come across state lines. I knew nothing about nothing that I was doing. I didn't go into this to be a businessman. I went into this to serve God's will. I went into this so there's people who didn't have enough, that needed more, that I could do whatever I could do to help them. I went into this so that more people would know about Jesus and then I entered, I ended up understanding what the Bible meant when he says your gift will make room for you when we look in the text Ruth never says I need to find me a new husband Ruth just says I want to find favor I just want to serve I want to survive I want to do my part Naomi and as a result of us saying I want to do my part she ends up finding everything seek ye first the kingdom of God I don't know how many times I got to say it. Put God's vision first and I promise yours will come to fruition. Because the reality is God's vision is what gives your vision a definition. Without God's vision, your vision has no definition. It has no form. It has no shape. And without a form, without a shape, it can't go nowhere. We have to get to a point in our lives where we seek first the kingdom of God. You want to know why things aren't working? 
because of the simple fact that you're not putting God in front of it. Your marriage is broken because somehow God ain't at the front of it. Your finances is broken because God is not at the forefront. You have to be kingdom-minded before you can ever be worldly-minded. Ruth teaches us that success is not built on selfishness. Pastor, how can you continue to pastor a church plant, a place that you have to set up and break down every Sunday? Because this ain't about me. This is a kingdom focus. As long as God is sending people. Just last week, we had people just drive in. She said, I was looking for another church, but I couldn't find it. And so I just Googled, and your church happened to pop up. What would it look like if we shut the doors? Because enough people aren't in the seats for me. If I made this all about me. If I'm looking for favor, then I need to be more like Ruth, and I'm going to just serve my purpose. At some point, God's going to show up and provide for us everything that we need. But I can't get it if I'm going to be selfish. I can't get it if I make everything about me. We can't get it. Your marriage will never flourish if you're selfish. Your job, your finances is never going to work out if you're selfish. Ruth teaches us that success is not built on selfishness, the second, the fourth principle that she teaches us today, and we'll wrap up after this, is that she teaches us that success does require service. She shows us that success requires service because when we look in Ruth chapter 2, verse 10 through 11, she asked Naomi what? Can I go work in the fields? Ruth had every right to stand in the room with Naomi and be depressed and say, Naomi, I don't know nobody around here. Or as they would say in the hood, here. I don't know nobody around here. I don't know nobody that can help me. This your city. Why don't you call one of your friends? The girls who was talking to you when we walked into the city and you told them don't call you Ruth no more? Call one of them and see if they can give us something. I'm hungry. This is what Ruth could have essentially did. But Ruth says, listen, man, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something about this situation. Because not only am I not going to allow my status to define me, and not only am I gonna, not going to allow my success to be built off your struggle, but I'm going to be willing to perform whatever service I need to to get what I need to have. She, she literally goes and says, can you let me go work in the field so that I can find favor? You know what happens in this text? What it shows me, it shows me the concept of faith without works is dead. So she understands that, I have faith. Listen, I, Naomi, I believe if I can get to the field that uh, I'm going to find some favor. She doesn't sit there and say, just God can send me some favor. God, send me the provision so that I can do everything that you want me to do. God, send me the man so that he can be my, my husband, God. But I ain't going to date nobody, but God, you just send me a husband right now. He doesn't sit there and throw out. That's not what she does. She says, whatever I got to do. I'm going to go through it. I want you to understand what Ruth was doing. She was gleaning in the fields. In other words, they went through and they chopped up all the wheat. And she would get down, bent over, hung back, picking stuff up, throwing it in a basket, picking stuff up. That's an awkward position to be in. And the Bible says from morning to the end of the day, all day long she was serving. She wasn't looking up at nobody trying to catch some googly eyes. She was serving. 
She wasn't focused on anybody else. She's just saying, if I can find favor through my, my faith and my, my works, if I can allow God to work on me. If God... See, some of us don't understand the reason why we bow our heads. Now, listen, God, I'm humble. I don't need to be looking at nobody else except you, God. I, because what I'm going through, God, only you can provide a way for me out of it, God. And so she works and she labors. Never did she ask the man for anything. All she said is, can I do my part? And the whole time while she's bent over, she's bent over working. Boaz rides up. Who is that? Who is that working? I've never seen her in my fields before. She's not acting like everybody else. I can only imagine how the groupies act. I can only imagine how the group is acting while, while Naomi, while Ruth was working. All the rest of them is like, hi, Boaz. Boaz, you need anything? Can I bring you some water? And Boaz is like, I ain't worried about y'all. And my big mama say, I ain't worried about y'all skanks going on, girl. And, 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 and Naomi was down there working. Working. Oh, this feels good. I can't wait to preach this to some single women. He, he, she was minding her business and, and working. Oh, this, this helps me because the Bible tells us when a, a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. And so essentially why, why Boaz was looking, this ain't even a message, but while Boaz was looking at Ruth, uh, Ruth says, that's a good thing. While everybody else trying to show off, she just, she working. She, she not all up in my face, so I ain't got to worry about her being in another man's face because she ain't even worried. I'm nothing to her. She, she's just working. She's doing her part. And then, and then when, they ask, when, he asked, when he asked about it, they said, oh, that's a Moabite girl. She ain't even have no business in Jerusalem. He finds out more about it. He finds out that not only is she working in my fields, Laboring. Not worried about looking cute. We know she's not worried about looking cute because later on in chapter 3, when, when Ruth goes home and tells Naomi about who feels she worked in and how Boaz looked out for, then, then Naomi tells her, hold on, girl, before you go back to work tomorrow, let me put some lip gloss on you. Let me, let me fix your hair because that Boaz, he's related to us, and, and you can actually marry him if we work this thing out right. She wasn't even worried about a man. She was just saying, God, let me, let me do right by you. Why did she say, God, how do you, Pastor, how do you know that she said, God, let me do right by you? Because if you remember, initially she said, if I don't stick by you, may God do worse to me than he does to you. So what she says, essentially, in my service, it's not me serving you, Naomi. It's me serving God. Because I want to make sure I honor God because I don't want God to do worse to me than he's ever going to do to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Everything you do unto others, do it as if you're doing it unto God. This is nothing but Bible coming to life. You're seeing it work. You want to know how success functions? Ruth is showing you how success functions. You, I'm minding my business. I'm serving his purpose. And I'm not seeking the attention of anybody else. Oh, God, I'm minding my business, I'm serving my purpose, and I'm not seeking the attention of anybody else. It's amazing how when you're not seeking people's attention, you get people's attention. Told you I wasn't looking for Trumbull Crow to call me and ask me about these programs. I, I simply went to serve because I wanted to impact the lives of the kids. And then somebody that I wasn't even seeking their attention saw me serving and said, listen, 
how would you like to do this on a bigger scale? You never notice how it seems like the people who always want the promotion are the people who never get the promotion, but the person that's been buying that business, doing that job, is the one that's always up for promotion because they're seeking, they're, they're minding their business, and as a result of it, somebody else sees them in action. Oh, this is what happens. Success does not, does, it does require your service. If you ever think that something is going to come your way and you're going to do nothing to get it, you are wrong. Pastor, they don't believe you. Okay, you're right. Noah survived. He was successful in surviving the flood. How was he successful? He built the ark that God told him to build. Uh, Moses was successful in freeing the children of Israel. How was he successful? He served and did exactly what God had asked him to do. Abraham was successful in becoming a father of many nations. How was he successful? He stopped trying to do things his way and finally did them God's way. David was successful in, oh, this is good, slaying Goliath. How did he do it? He didn't try to put on the armor of Saul. He simply did what God had asked him to do. Over and over, we have seen success Come to fruition simply by serving. Simply by serving. Noah didn't do anything majestic to get the favor of God. He just simply did what was right and found favor. Abraham found favor. Your success is not built on what you can do alone. It's built on you finding favor in the eyes of God. You want to know why people are blessed? Because you need to ask them, what is your relationship like with God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Main question so many people ask me when I began to, to plant this church and things were working out and, and everything was going, is like, how did you do it? How did you? Matter of fact, still now, how do you make all these graphics? How, how are you so gifted in doing these things? Did you do graphic design, marketing before? No, it's only two things, God and YouTube. That's it. God and YouTube's allowed me to do it, and, 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 and when I do it, it comes together. It just happens. I'm doing it for his will, his purpose, and, and he just showed me an avenue. He gave me a mind to be able to grasp the concept. Everything I do is not about me. When we get to 5,000 people, it's not about me. It's God. It's amazing because we go to so many conferences. We try to get so many answers on how we're going to grow. And the truth is, God. You can learn so many different schemes and everything else you can do, but it doesn't matter without God. Everybody else was working in the fields that day with Naomi, I mean with Ruth. But Ruth had God on her side. If you want to reach a level of success, the only way that you're going to be successful is with God. I don't care what business you're starting. I don't care what relationship you're in. It's never going to flourish if God is not at the forefront of it. It's never going to come to fruition. It's never going to happen. It's going to be a burden when it should have been a blessing. And the only reason a burden is not a blessing is because it does not have God in the recipe. Started this, this message out simply wanting to tell you what was success. And this is the definition that I believe is success and we'll close. Success is an internal peace that a person experiences when they serve their purpose. I want you to notice I didn't say success is having a four bedroom house three-car garage. 
because there are some people that are living in a one-bedroom apartment that are successful. There are people who own the streets that are successful. Success is about an internal peace that a person receives that they experience when they serve their purpose. When you leave here today, you should view success in a different way. You should view success in a different way because of the simple fact that it's not about your car, it's not about your house, it's not about your relationship status. And when you understand that success is an internal piece, then Facebook can't tell you what success is. Them Instagram models, they can't define to you what's beautiful. They can't do that. They, they can't put you in a box because they don't know what's going to satisfy you and internally. Too many marriages have failed because people are upset and frustrated because of the simple fact that their marriage don't look like somebody else's marriage. Can I tell you that with God, you can find your internal peace within any situation in every situation that you're going through. But in order for this to take place, you have to put God first. Ruth struggles in chapter 1. But she is the perfect picture of success in chapter 4. And we understand the bigger picture because she was never seeking another husband. She was never seeking to become wealthy and rich. She was just seeking to serve her purpose. If you want to be successful in this life, if you want to honor God, if you want to, to truly reach your fully potential, your full potential, and I want to tell you this, that you have to serve his purpose for your life. Before I started this church, me and my wife, we'd owned a beauty shop. We've owned a beauty supply store. Owned a pallet company. Those are just a few of the ventures that I can think of off the top of my head. You name it, we almost done it. We almost opened a laundromat. All of these things we are seeking success in. I was seeking success in. I'm not going to even throw her in the middle of it. I was just chasing success. And today I stand before you successful. My goal was never to open a church. I no longer have my beauty supply. I no longer have my beauty shop. I no longer have my after-school programs. I no longer have a desire to open a laundromat. But I'm successful because I have an internal peace that I'm serving my purpose. It doesn't matter if it's five, 50, 500, 5,000. As long as I'm preaching the gospel to God's people, and we're not struggling to survive, I am serving my purpose. It doesn't matter if we're doing it in this facility, a new facility, whatever it is. As long as I'm serving God, I'm internally filled with peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Pastor, why do you say that? Because people will tell you, oh, you could be doing some greater things at bigger churches. So what? This is where God wants me to be. If I wait my time, I keep doing what Ruth does. If I mind my business, gleaning my fields, a 
eventually God will notice me. And the reality is that God noticed, that Boaz noticed Ruth before Ruth even knew that Boaz noticed him. So essentially I can tell myself God is already noticing me. I'm just waiting on him to bless me for what he's seen. So I want to be faithful in my service from sun up to sundown so that I can find the favor of God and allow it to rest and rule in my life. This is my prayer for you, that today you see the bigger picture of success. Whether you're here or you're online, if you're seeking a husband, if you're looking for a job, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're seeking and you're designed, I pray that success finds you where you are. As we begin to leave and close on today, let us stand all around the room on today. Most gracious, wonderful, all-knowing God. Today we say thank you for simply being who you are. God, I thank you for the fact that your word has an answer to every problem. I no longer have to feel like a failure because I have peace that I'm serving my purpose. So God, right now as your people stand around this room with their hands extended.